Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinny Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened a Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be humility. Let's begin in Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2, starting in the first verse, it says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, Let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, fought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We find in this chapter the importance of humility. We find Christ's humility exemplified, and we find the command from God to be like-minded. We need to have humility as a part of our character if we are to truly be followers of Christ. There are many misconceptions concerning humility today. Many Christians don't know what it really means or what it looks like lived out on a practical level. Before humility can be an active part of our character, we first need to understand it. Humility is defined as a noun, meaning freedom from pride and arrogance, humbleness of mind, a modest estimate of one's own worth, a deep sense of one's own unworthiness in the sight of God, self-abasement, penitence for sin, and submission to the divine will. From this definition, we understand that humility has to do with the soul, which is the mind, will, and emotions. Matthew Henry says in his commentary of this passage, Let there not be among Christians a spirit of opposition. Christ came to humble us, and therefore let there not be among us a spirit of pride. We must be charitable in our judgment of others. We must esteem the good which is in others above that which is in ourselves, for we best know our own unworthiness and imperfections. We must interest ourselves in the concerns of others, in Christian love and sympathy, 
A selfish spirit is destructive of Christian love. We must love our neighbor as ourselves and make his case our own. Humility is a great asset to us as Christians. It is distinctive because it is not a common characteristic that you generally find in people. The distinctiveness of true humility is very important because people notice differences. When people notice this about you, that you're humble, they may ask you why you are different. This gives you a great opportunity to share the gospel with them. As living epistles, it is extremely important that we live out what we speak about. If we speak about humility and tell others that they need to be humble, we ourselves need to live in humility. Otherwise, we invalidate everything that we said. If we're not going to live it out, we shouldn't speak about it. There is a false humility that has infiltrated churches today. This false mindset of humility is one of the greatest sources of pride in churches. There is a pretense of humility, but no fruit is produced by it. The Christians who adhere to this type of humility are the Christians who boast about how they don't boast. They are also the type who constantly demean and degrade themselves just so those around them will praise and glorify them. This is pride that takes on the appearance of humility, but it's still pride nonetheless. The real issue here is their focus. They're putting the focus on themselves instead of on others. Focusing on the self is completely antithetical to true humility. If we are to be truly humble, our focus must be outward instead of inward. Outward focus is how we can tell the difference between true humility and false humility. C.S. Lewis, speaking on humility, said, Do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he will be what most people call humble nowadays. He will not be a sort of greasy, smarmy person who is always telling you that, of course, he is nobody. Probably all you will think about him is that he seemed a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said to him. If you do dislike him, it will be because you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. This is what real humility looks like in practice. Humility is so outward focused that the thought of self doesn't even cross the mind when interacting with others. There is no outward focus present at all. Humility, on the practical level, has two main components. The first is self-forgetfulness. Matthew 23 and 12 says, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. The word humble in the Greek, according to Strong's Concordance, is the verb tapenu, which means to make or bring low, to humble. It goes on to say, with the believer, showing humility and true lowliness happens by being fully dependent on the Lord, dismissing reliance upon self and self-government, and emptying the carnal ego. This exalts the Lord as our all in all and prompts the gift of his fullness in us. Now the other main component in humility is investing in others. Self-forgetfulness clears our focus, and then investing in others directs our focus outward. Ephesians 4 and 2 says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, investing in others is the most important ministry we can have in this world, and it's impossible to do this without humility. 
This is where dependence comes in. When we depend on someone, we're investing in them. We are putting trust in them, and we are showing that we care about them and that we value them. This is all part of true humility. When we empty ourselves, it frees us to totally invest in those around us. This is very important when dealing with others. The same is true when it comes to our dealing with God. We must come before God with humility. 1 Peter 5 and 5 says, Likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. God desires for us to be humble. When we forget ourselves in the presence of God, we are free to fully submit to the will of God, free to invest in God, and fully immerse ourselves in Him. We are to depend on God, trust completely in Him, care about Him and His things, and value Him as the most important part of our life. God respects humility, but hates pride, because pride tries to take God's place and remove Him. Pride is the worst sin that there is. Coming before God in humility makes all the difference. Satan did the opposite. His sin was pride. And we can still see the destruction and the pain and the chaos that his sin of pride has wrought on the world. Let's go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 14. In Isaiah chapter 14, beginning in the 12th verse, it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, O son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mounts of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble? that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? We find in this passage an account of the fall of Satan, and we see very clearly his sin of pride that caused his fall. The devil said, I, five times. It's clear that his focus was inward, not outward. He wasn't dependent on God. He didn't care about God at all. He cared about himself. All the spiritual warfare that is going on today in the world, in both the natural and the spiritual realms, and down throughout all the ages of history, is all rooted in and can all be traced back to the sin of pride. Pride is the antithesis of humility. They are diametrically opposed to each other. Proverbs 16.18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride went before the devil's fall. He fell and was abased. We see here Matthew 23 and 12 exemplified. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. The devil exalted himself, and then he was in turn abased. Pride by nature can produce nothing good, while humility by nature can produce only good. In Proverbs 8.13, wisdom says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogance, and the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. We should hate and despise pride. We should ask God to destroy any pride within our hearts and lives. It should have no place within us. Pride draws you apart from God. 
while humility draws us closer. Psalm 138 and 6 says in the English Standard Version, For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. And James 4 and 10 tells us, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. We need to come to God in humility. It changes everything, and it produces fruit in our lives. Pride's main tool to lead people astray is deception. Pride gives people a false sense of who they are and their abilities. Pride survives on lies that grow our ego. In verse 3 of Obadiah, it says, The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rocks, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? Earlier, in Philippians 2 and 5, we saw that it said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We are called to be like-minded with Christ. Part of this entails that we share in the humility that he perfectly taught and exemplified. With this understanding, we must then ask ourselves, how do we become truly humble? Galatians 2 and 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Four weeks ago, we studied the importance of crucifying the soul, the self-life, so that our spirit, which is the part of us that connects and communicates with God, can control our entire being as God had originally intended for it to be. This is what opens the door for us to become humble. Because when we crucify the self, it naturally produces self-forgetfulness because as our self-life constantly becomes less and less of a force in our lives, humility will naturally be produced in us because the only way left to look is outwardly. When we have crucified our souls, we depend completely on God and put all of our trust in Him. When our spirit is in control of our being, we are able to submit fully to the will of God and Christ who is himself humility personified, is able to work through us. Philippians 2 and 13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The greatest manifestation of humility that we are capable of is when we fully submit to the will of God. Once we have self-forgetfulness operating within us, we need to invest in others, we need to put forth time and effort to listen to, care for, and to value others. Since we have crucified the self-life, we can become outward-focused. Investing in others and loving others is one of the greatest testaments that we can give of our God. Humility is itself one of the best ways to show forth the God living within us. Once we have humility operating within us, it produces fruit within our lives. The first fruit that it produces is freedom. Before, when we had defined humility, we saw that the first part of the definition was freedom from pride and arrogance. When we're humble, we become freed from ego, insecurity, introspection, and the anxiety that come with them. These things, if left unchecked, will naturally produce pride and arrogance within us. This is why being free from all of these things is so important for us. Pride and arrogance only hurt us. They will never help us in any way. Their effects are destructive towards ourselves and towards others. When we're free, 
We're free from the effects and free from the deception that allow pride and arrogance to grow and to thrive within us. Most importantly, when we're humble, we're free to come to God in humility and draw closer and closer to God. That is the greatest fruit that humility can produce. Humility produces many different fruits in our lives. And out of those many, there is one other fruit that we must look at and consider. The second half of Matthew 23 and 12 says, And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. One of the fruits of humility is exaltation. God is never against us being exalted, but he is against us exalting ourselves. God will exalt us. It's not for us to do. Exalt is defined as a transitive verb, meaning to raise high, to elevate, to elevate in power, wealth, rank, or dignity, to elevate with joy or confidence, as to be exalted with success or victory, to magnify, to praise, to extol. When we get and stay humble, we are promised that God will exalt us. It may not come in the way or at the time that we expect or think best, but it will come. We are never to exalt ourselves. If we're doing that, then we're being prideful. That's the worst thing that we can do. Proverbs 27 and 2 says, Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger, and not thine own lips. Our job is to stay humble and stay outward focused. God truly desires to exalt us and to give us all the great things that come with exaltation. But the ball is in our court. The choice is ours to make. Philippians 2 and 3 says in the ESV, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. We are commanded to be humble by God. This is a command. It's not optional and it's not a suggestion. Although it's a command, God has given each of us a free will. We have a decision to make. We can either live in humility or live in pride and arrogance. If we decide to be prideful, we will be constantly deceived and led away from God. The road of pride will lead us to destruction if we follow it to its end. If we make the choice to be humble, we will draw closer to God and have the freedom and the exaltation that come with it. Humility, if we let it, will produce a measurable good in our lives. We need to make that choice today, to follow God's command and to live in humility. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord God, and we thank you for true humility. Lord, we desire to be humble servants in your army. Lord, we thank you for true humility, that it's available to us through the sacrifice of your Son. Lord, we thank you for the gifts and the fruits that come from it. Freedom, Lord, we thank you for freedom, all different types of freedom that are available. And Lord, we thank you for the exaltation. Give us the strength and the courage not to exalt ourselves, but to trust in the exaltation that will come by your Spirit working within us. And Lord, we ask for your guidance and protection from that false humility that is within the churches today. Keep us away from that deceptive spirit of false humility and give us the true humility that only you can give and birth within us. Lord, we thank you for your word and for all that we've gathered from your word today, Lord God. And we thank you for all those listening, Lord God, and we ask a special blessing on them today. And Lord, we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to live in true humility and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart 
to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you would like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. And if you would like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you would write a review wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.